Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of the Africast. Uh, we're operating under the threat of stage 4 load shedding at the moment because we're recording this on Thursday uh, and not Friday as we usually do. Um, but joining me as always is Clinton Matos. Hello everybody. And Robin Lichetti. Howdy. I'm not even going to ask how the weekend is going. Um, I am going to ask, are you guys excited for a long weekend in quotation marks given that the first is a public holiday? Uh, any days off are welcome. Yeah, I, uh, I'm just hoping uh, lines won't be too long. Um, I know that's a kind of selfish <laughs> thing to think about, but I have a lot of boring adult stuff I also need to do on that day that I've been putting off. So it's, it's less of a uh, public holiday and more of a go-do-adult stuff kind of day, which yeah. is uh, not fun. Yeah, they they never tell you about all these adult things you need to do when you're a kid, right? So it's like, oh, you get to eat dessert for for dinner if you want. They never tell you about all these horrible things you have to do. That's not to say that kids don't or, or the younger generation doesn't have responsibilities as well, which segues us nicely into the first news story of today. NASVIS has announced when funding applications will open. Correct, Clinton? So, oh my God, Dave. They've really been... Uh... I don't know what the word is without sounding inflammatory. They've really been taking their time to announce when the applications are going to open. Um, I don't want to say it's their excuse, but their reasoning for that was they needed to upgrade their systems to deal with lots of people kind of flooding in and getting their applications in, which I understand. It's better if you delay something and then it works right on the first day instead of having it um, earlier and then it just breaks as soon as anyone looks at it. But it's been causing a lot of problems because there's been a lot of scammers who are saying, oh, no, I can get your early application. You know, just um, give me your details and then, you know, identity theft and stuff happens like that. So it's been a long wait, but it's finally happening. And it's actually happening very soon on the 2nd of November, which is next week, Tuesday. So, yeah, it's funny because yesterday, um, well, depends when you listen to this, on the 27th, they said the date's coming soon. And then on the 28th, they said, okay, the date is next week. Uh, so between 2nd November 2021 and 7th January 2022, you can finally apply to NASFAS for your student funding. Um, Mr. Minister Blade Nizamande has said that he's happy with what he saw because he actually visited a, a NASFAS um, a building and he looked at the upgrades himself. I don't know what kind of appraising he did, but from the quotes he provided on Twitter, he's happy with it all. And things should go smoothly, hopefully. Um, and at the same time, and I think we're all going to say it now, we're going to wish the Matrix uh, good luck writing their exams. That also happened this week. And thankfully, uh, the Matrix exams end on 6th December. So they have around a month between the end of their exams and applications closing for NASFA. So they have... Not a lot of time, but a you know a little bit of something's better than a whole lot of nothing. So they will have that month to get their funding. And yeah, we're just going to say good luck. Um, this is the third exams that have been written under pandemic conditions. And yeah, it's a, one of the most stressful times of your life, and you need to do it during a pandemic. I can't even imagine how difficult that is. So good luck to all matrix, and uh, good luck to everybody applying. All we can do is hope that that extra time they've set aside to do these upgrades isn't just lip service and the systems will work as intended. Here's holding thumbs. Uh, yeah. Robin, you've got some news regarding Xiaomi. 
Yes, so at the weekend, uh, specifically Sunday evening, which I thought was a really odd time uh, to host an event. But anyway, uh, that's neither here nor there. Uh, Xiaomi announced that the 11T Pro is launching in South Africa. Uh, it's one of the, I guess, one of their flagship phones. They have quite a few within their lineup. Uh, but as far as Xiaomi's presence in South Africa goes, this is their latest flagship phone. And uh, we kind of covered the event itself and, and the announcement regarding the phone and I used the very clickbaity title saying that it is the most affordable flagship uh, to land an SA to date um, and the clickbait title worked thankfully um, and the reason why I say this is uh, the pricing uh, Xiaomi has been really aggressive uh, this year in particular the company has almost redoubled its efforts as far as South Africa is concerned we have noted on multiple occasions already in podcasts past that uh, Huawei is struggling to perhaps uh, control its market share, uh, and that's kind of opened up the avenues for the likes of Oppo and Xiaomi, um, other companies like Vivo and Techno Mobile, which we'll touch on shortly, um, to potentially take up some of their market share. And Xiaomi and Oppo, I think, are probably the best placed as far as being comparable to Huawei goes. Um, so as far as 11T Pro goes, um, it's offering up a 6.7-inch AMOLED display, a full HD resolution, support for HDR10+. Um, it's got a trio of cameras on, on the rear, one of which is a 108-megapixel wide-angle option. It's also got a 16-megapixel selfie camera. Uh, internally, it's got a 5-nanometer Qualcomm Snapdragon 888 processor that supports 5G, 8 gigabytes of RAM, and 256 gigabytes of storage, as well as a 5,000 milliamp hour battery. So it ticks all the boxes as far as the flagship phone is concerned. And the reason why we say it's the most affordable flagship to land in SA is it retails for a recommended price of 13,999 Rand, which is, to my mind, is, is really great value for money. Um, when you compare that other Similarly, spec devices are closer to the 20,000 Rand mark and in some cases exceeding that. So if you are a little savvy as far as opting for Android phones, the 11T Pro from Xiaomi could be a really uh, a real steal. Uh, and obviously that price is still a lot of money for a lot of people. Uh, it is for me. Uh, but as far as comparing it to other similarly spec devices, it is one of the better priced options out there. And I'm really interested to kind of see how it performs over the coming months. Because uh, if South Africans love one thing, it's a deal. Uh, we also have uh, Black Friday uh, coming up next next month. So there's potentially scope for retailers to offer the 11T Pro and bundle it with something else or perhaps offer discounts. So it's actually it happening comes... right now. Um, mm -hmm. the, so for the same price um, as the phone itself, Takelot actually has the phone and a Xiaomi um, robot vacuum. So you basically you're not getting the vacuum for free, but you you're getting that as a as an add-on. I don't know how to say it. It's not free, obviously. You're paying for it, but compared to buying it elsewhere, Takelot actually has it with that robot vacuum. Um, this isn't me advocating for Xiaomi or for Takelot. Uh, I actually just bought something from Takelot, and they completely destroyed my package. But I just did want to mention that for anyone who is looking, you can get that value add. It is an odd combination, a phone and a robot vacuum. A vacuum and a phone. You usually get like a phone case or, I don't know, a, a wireless charger or something. A vacuum isn't something I think of when I oh. think I need to get that for my phone. 
Well, you raised charging. I think that's probably a good point that uh, Xiaomi do include a kind of generic plastic cover in their box. They also provide a charger. And one wow. of the kind of interesting technologies, yes, I know it's, it's groundbreaking in this day and age. <laughs> um, one of the groundbreaking technologies is what they're calling hypercharge technology. Uh, so that's a 120-watt uh, charging capacity uh, that they can they say goes from 0 to 100% uh, within 17 minutes. Wow. Uh, so for 5,000 milliamp hour battery, that is really impressive. How that degrades the battery of a... Uh, can you turn that off? Uh, well, we haven't received one for review. We yeah. are expecting one. So hopefully we're going to kind of give that insight. I'm, I'm, I've got a... We've talked about this before, but I've got an Oppo Reno 5 and it has ex- insane fast charging that you cannot turn off. And to my understanding, the only way to turn it off is to use an unofficial charger that has a lower wattage, less um, amperage. And it's great. There's been a lot of times that are like, oh, I really need a lot of charge and not a lot of time. But then when I'm just at home and I'm absolutely hammering the battery every day, it's got me very worried. I've had the phone for... I think about six months now, and I think after a year, I'll do like a long-term look at it, and we'll see how the battery lasts. But these super fast charging things have got me really, you know, shaking in my boots. Yeah, hopefully, Jami can assist us with the review unit and potentially seed us one. Hey guys, Jami, if you guys are hearing us, uh, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's the Eleven T Pro, uh, a really well-priced device, really well-specced, and. We'll be interested to see how it performs over the coming months. Awesome. Uh, let's move on very quickly to uh, everybody's favorite billionaire, Jeffrey Bezos. Uh, I don't think anybody actually has a favorite billionaire, and I'm pretty sure that Bezos is not on that list if they do. Um, no, lots of people love Musk. Mine's <laughs> <laughs> Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne, yeah, definitely. Um, so this week, Blue Origin, together with a firm called this called Sierra Space, announced that they will be building something called the Orbital Reef, which is a great name. Sounds like it was plucked straight out of a sci-fi series, um, but its use isn't really all that sci-fi. It's being built as a mixed-use business park in space, um, and it will offer customers the services they need to do business in low Earth orbit. Who needs to do business in low Earth orbit, you ask? I don't know, maybe satellite internet companies, um, science companies doing re- uh, research. I'm at a loss, really. Um, you know what this sounds like? It sounds like uh, when a hotel has a quote-unquote business center and yeah. it's just a very musky room with a broken fax machine and a, a, a CRT screen attached to a PC that has never worked. Yeah, so this uh, this is basically a a business park, I guess. Um, but it is, it, it kind of makes sense to an extent. And I'm going to defend this a little bit uh, because right now there's only one space station in space. That's the International Space Station. China is working on its own uh, space station. And then we'll have, uh, obviously, this one, the Orbital Reef. Um, if you've ever watched a TV show called The 100 uh, and you laughed at the idea that there were multiple space stations from many countries, um, that's becoming a reality, except this is privately operated. Uh, the orbital reef uh, will be overseen, uh, well, the construction will be overseen by Blue Origin and Sierra Space, but a couple of other firms have uh, thrown in their names to be able to help uh, build and run this thing. So those firms are Blue Origin, obviously, Sierra Space, Boeing, Redwire Space, uh, the Genesis Engineering Solutions, uh, which is really 
that they're proposing something really cool, which is a single person spacecraft for routine operations and tourist excursions. And then these, there's the Arizona State University, which will lead a global consortium of universities providing research research services and public outreach. Uh, this is all very, very cool. Uh, the global consortium, however, isn't really all that global. There's one university from the UK and one in France, and the rest are all U- United States-based. Um, and yeah, the, the whole idea about this is to make uh, space exploration more accessible to more people, uh, especially if we want to travel to the moon uh, and eventually colonize other planets. Um, stuff like this is, is kind of a necessity. Uh, while you can launch rockets from Earth, it's easier to launch them from space. Um, so yeah, this is a, a cool little project. There's no uh, there's no real timeline of when we're going to see this in action. Um, it, it's going to take a while. This decade is what they said. Later this decade, so that's a that's a long long stretch uh, before we actually see a Bezos operated space station. But yeah, I, I think we're going to see more and more of this sort of stuff as uh, as we try and get to space. I know uh, NASA is preparing the launch of a launch of a uncrewed flight to the moon and back um, for later this year. So yeah, the orbital reef, pretty cool. I don't know if Blue Origin is really the company that should be doing this, but they are doing it, and there's nothing we can really say about it. Um, I just want to add, yeah, I know, I know, Amazon and Bezos have more money than God, but isn't the International Space Station the most expensive thing that humanity mm-hmm. has ever made? Yeah. Um, does Amazon and all the other people pitching in on this know that? Um, are they going to make something comparable? I mean, of all the things humanity has made. The International Space Station is the most expensive, and yeah. it had so many world governments just pouring billions into it. Um, are they going to do that? I know this is all kind of a vanity project for uh, for Mr. Bezos, but how much vanity does he want? I mean, a the, lot of money. It's a, it's a good point you raise because I mean, but the other thing to take into consideration for me at least is that when the International Space Station was being constructed. Uh, all those many, many years ago. It, I mean, we didn't have as, access to as much te- technology as we have today. Um, I actually want to link a, a video at the bottom of this podcast from Smarter Every Day where they go through or where uh, he goes through a the construction of a rocket and you can see how uh, how streamlined that process is. Oh, okay. uh, it's, it's a lot easier these days. Uh, the other side of this is that rockets can now be um, can be brought reused. back down, can be landed yeah. and reused. So that brings down a substantial amount of cost. Um, but yeah, we'll have to see how this pans out. So I think it's just really interesting to see a company, a private company doing something like this. Um, and who knows, maybe one day small businesses will be operating in space as the uh, kind of pit stop between here and Mars or the first pit stop, you know, like... Krasmir Toll Plaza uh, on the N1 if you're heading down to Cape Town or the Free State for a holiday. I always used to stop there when I was a kid, but anyway. Before I die, I really want like an economy ticket to space that yeah. won't like, bankrupt me. I can just like the cost of an international flight right now. I'm, I'm hopeful it will happen in my lifetime because air travel actually happened within one or two lifetimes where it went mm. from planes can't do this to, you know, we're eating steak filet in a in a jet airliner so we'll see um hopefully i mean uh chatner got to go um even though he's very rich and he probably had it paid for but 
it has me hoping that if I live to 90 or whatever, I can uh, I can go check out space. That'll be cool before I die. Yeah. It's a very morbid thing to think about. Experience but, uh, the uh, the oversight effects where you where you realize that Earth is really just a, a fragile blue marble spinning in the vast nothingness that is in space. And with that existential dread out the way, <laughs> let's move on to the meats and potatoes of this Africa. So um, this month... Uh, is roundabout up and next month is black friday so uh, we're going to be looking at some of the reviews we've done over the course of this month uh, just revisiting them and talking a bit about them more in depth um, and i'm going to kick things off with a review i did of the gigabyte a7x1 notebook uh, i'm just going to call it the a7 because a7x1 gets a bit long in the tooth um, so this is an AMD powered notebook. It's running an AMD Ryzen 9 5900X. Uh, our review unit was paired with 62 gigabytes of DDR4 3200 memory and an NVIDIA GeForce RTX 3070 laptop GPU. That def that uh, that specification that is a laptop GPU is very important because NVIDIA decided with the 3000 series that they were going to have multiple different iterations of its mobile um, GPUs. Uh, making it a bit confusing, but this is a this is a pretty decent one. This is uh, Max Q certified, so that means that it's got the best quality performance and I mean, power manage for the power management. Uh, the display is a 17.3 inch Full HD uh, display with a 144 hertz uh, refresh rate, which is rather good. Uh, in terms of storage, there are two M M.2 slots, but our review unit only had one M.2 slot. Uh, filled up, but that was with an NVMe one terabyte SSD. That is kind of where I, I, I ran into some issues with this notebook. Um, well, one terabyte a couple of years ago might have been fine. Nowadays, one terabyte is just far too little. Um, I tried to install a couple of games onto this notebook for review, and once I had reviewed, or once I had installed maybe two or three games, I had run out of space, uh, especially considering I had to have a whole bunch of other software on there in order to monitor things and all that sort of stuff so you are definitely going to need a second m.2 ssd and there is only an m.2 slot in here the other side of this is that opening up the notebook was incredibly difficult uh to the point where if i tried any harder than i would have i felt like i was going to break the notebook um uh, that gave me a bit of pause although i think if you have a repair kit um or you go to your local PC store, I think they'd be able to do it for you quite easily. Of course, that's an extra cost you've got to take into consideration. And uh, it's not that great. In terms of ports, there's everything you could want. There's a combo headphone microphone jack. Uh, there's a dedicated microphone port, mini display port 1.4, uh, HDMI 2.0 port, and a variety of USB 3.2 and 2.0 ports. Uh, it's a full keyboard. There's no fancy RGB effects. You can pick a solid color and that's it. Um, and I actually kind of appreciate that. It, it shows me that Gigabyte decided to focus on where on what was important, and what's important here is the performance of this notebook, which we'll get to in a little bit. Uh, something else that's really cool is that this notebook contains a removable battery. So you don't have to open up the notebook to take the battery out. You literally slide two switches, and you can pull the battery out, and you can replace it. Um, Unfortunately, the downside of this is that it's a very small battery. It's a 48.96 watt-hour lithium-ion battery. And in our testing, it only lasted for about an hour at a time, which is not great. 
But then again, this is a gaming notebook, and if you were going to be playing on its, or playing games on your notebook without power, you'd likely only get an hour of life out of the notebook anyway. Um, performance also degrades when you're not when you're running a, a notebook on battery power. Limits it to like thirty frames per second. Everything is just cut in half. It, it's a, it's a terrible experience. At least from my, my in my opinion, I do not like playing games on a notebook on pure battery power. Um, let's move to performance though, because performance is really really interesting. So we uh, I ran Fire Strike and Time Spy uh, through three D Mark because the issues that I ran into with games, I would have to. Install a game, delete it, transfer another game, install it, delete it, that whole dance. And I really didn't want to do that. It was way too much, way too much pain uh, to go through that. So instead, we just installed 3D Mark and we ran both Firestrike, uh, Extreme, and Time Spy. Um, so we. <clears throat> I originally did with Time Spy and it was okay. The problem with Time Spy is that it runs it at a higher resolution. Um, so performance takes a bit of a knock. Uh, when running it at 1080p uh, at one uh, at peak performance in Firestrike Extreme, however, we got some really good some really good uh, figures. So average PP average FPS is along the lines of 90 to 100 FPS, depending on your title. Um, obviously, the lower demanding, the less demanding a game, the uh, the more performance you'll get. So, uh, to give you an idea, Battlefield Four or Five rather would run at approximately 105 FPS. Apex Legends 140 FPS, and Red Dead Redemption at approximately 40 FPS with everything cranked to ultra. Uh, in terms of temperatures, uh, temp set at 74 degrees Celsius on the CPU and 77 degrees on the uh, GPU under a reasonable load. Um, when things get more intense, however, temps shoot up to 98 degrees on the CPU, or GPU, sorry, and 90 degrees on the CPU. So it does get quite hot, but Gigabyte is really good at dealing with uh, with with heat. Um, their Fantech is, is pretty good. It's probably not as good as Aces, in my opinion, but it's, it's still good, and it doesn't get too loud as well. So you'll feel a bit of heat on your hands, um, yeah, it's not great, but I mean, this is a, this is a pitfall of a uh, of a um, a notebook, right? You can the, the components are right next to your hands, and you're gonna feel a little bit of heat. It's nothing too uncomfortable, um, but yeah. So this thing is very focused on being a gaming notebook, uh, and it does that rather well, especially if you're playing like esports or first person shooters, that sort of thing. Um, once you get more intense games like Red Dead Redemption 2, you are going to see some drop-off in terms of your frames per second, but that's nothing you can't really avoid. Um, with, but, well, you could avoid it by doing a bit of tweaking in your settings. So, yeah, so, it's, a, it's a pretty good notebook. Yeah, Clinton. I want to ask you two things quick. Yeah. Um, and let me give some context about why I'm asking them. Um, how much is this? Because an RTX 3070, a desktop version... Is anywhere it's it, the prices are all over the place. People know this. The the component, you know, availability right now is all over the place. Um, as low as around fifteen thousand, all the way up to about twenty five thousand. There really is a ten k difference. Sometimes it really depends when you're buying, who you're yeah. buying from, all of that. So, with that in mind, how much is it? And then the other thing I wanted to ask is. Uh, can it support an external GPU? And when I bring that up, people look at me a bit funny, but I want to defend myself by saying that laptops and pre-built systems, which in the old times were, in the old times, a few <laughs> years ago, were seen as really bad value because you could usually build a desktop. But now, because of these component problems, 
pre-boats and laptops are actually looking very um, desirable. Yeah. And the reason you'll want a really good um, CPU with an external graphics card support is that your graphics card will probably become outdated faster than your CPU. Yeah. And if you are buying a laptop right now, you probably want to overspend on your CPU with um, external GPU support so that when the internal GPU becomes too old, you want that CPU to still be competitive. So. Do you have the price on hand, and yeah. do you know if it supports an external GPU? So uh, the price is thirty-seven triple nine. Uh, that depends on your configuration, but <clears throat> that was our configuration with the thirty-seventy, um, okay. the AMD processor, uh, which uh, was running at four point two gigahertz um, and the sixteen gigs of RAM and one terabyte storage. <laughs> so thirty-seven triple nine is what you're looking at as a baseline price for that model um in terms of external gpu support so that i'm not 100 percent sure on i will have to check and, and maybe just get back to you on that however like i said it does have um it doesn't have usb type c which i found a little bit weird it does have many display ports and uh hdmi 2.0 but i don't think it, it supports like thund you need you thunderbolts need, for an external uh, i think you need a, a newer gen type yeah. c or thunderbolt yeah or yeah, that's a real problem. I just want people to be aware of that if you are looking to buy a laptop right now. The market is so funky and so not consumer-friendly that you really need to take this stuff uh, to heart. So, Ugh. like, I think what I like about this notebook is that it's uh, it's quite bulky and quite big, but it doesn't it doesn't add things that you don't need, right? It's got no, like, secondary display that nobody's ever going to use. There's no, like rgb vomits happening all over the notebook it's very subdued um but at the same time there's there's performance under the under the hood and the performance is really really good for the money that you're paying for now i i take what clinton says is that your gpu is probably going to get outdated faster than your, your cpu and you'd like to probably run an external gpu realistically though if you want a game right now I mean, this laptop's going to serve you for at least another year, hopefully two, uh, depending on how much more demanding games get in the future, obviously. We, we can't for foresee the future, but right now, I think that this is a really good GPU and a really great CPU to pair with this notebook. Um, obviously, that might not be the case in a year's time when NVIDIA announces the 4000 series, or maybe later this month, who knows? And uh, Intel just announced Alder Lake, so yeah. that's also and DDR5 RAM. So it's, uh, yeah. so I mean, it's, it's that old meme. The best time um, to buy a laptop is uh, the the day after you just bought one. Yeah. So you know, take that all the grain of salt. So yeah, I think this is a good uh, notebook for the price. If you are looking for a gaming notebook, I recommend shopping around within this price tag for something similar that maybe meets your needs a little bit better. Um, you, you really need to decide what is best for you in a notebook, right? I mean, for me, I need a, a long battery life, a decent uh, CPU, and the GPU is kind of mad to me because I don't really play games on a notebook. But obviously, yeah. that, that comes up to you. What really irked me, though, about this notebook was the small battery and the, the low storage. So those are things that can be addressed. Um, the battery, you could buy a second battery to use as a backup if you really need your notebook for gaming after hours um 
when ESCOM takes the, takes the light out. And uh, there's there's expandable storage with the second M.2 slot. However, as I mentioned, you are probably going to need somebody who knows what they're doing to open it, lest you want to damage your your notebook. So yeah, we'll we'll have a link to the full review at the bottom. But I was really impressed with this. I think it's a it's definitely a notebook worth considering, even though it doesn't have the flashy RGB and all that sort of stuff. I think it does what it what it intends to do really well. And yeah, I think it's worthy of consideration. So that's the Gigabyte A7X1. Uh, let's move on. Robin, you want to talk about Techno, a little smartphone company that you mentioned earlier? Yeah, so Techno Mobile. Um, it's a brand that I guess is relatively new to Hypertex, considering we haven't reviewed any of the devices uh, before this past few weeks. And well, we've, we've been able to review two of the devices, the first one being the Techno Spark 7 Pro. Um, the Spark 7 series was a lineup of two different models that they brought into the country a few weeks ago. And we got uh, some, some time with the 7 Pro just to kind of get a feel for what the brand is about. Um, like a lot of the Chinese firms that are coming to the country right now, um, it's all about really, really affordable, almost aggressively affordable um, Devices that tick a lot of the boxes as far as specifications go. The 7 Series, the, the Spark 7 Series is, is perhaps aimed to, in, towards the entry level slash uh, very lower end of the mid-range space. So the 7 Pro, for example, um, that one retails for 3,500 Rand. And the other device that we are currently viewing in the review should be out probably... Uh, in the next few days or so, is the Camon 17P. Um, I'm not too sure why they choose these really odd um, names. Um, that's, I guess, neither here nor there. It's more about performance. And that one comes in for 4,999 Rand, so essentially 5,000 Rand. And with the 7 Pro, um, as far as performance went, it was willing and able, but there was just a slight bit of sluggishness. So uh, navigating through your settings or launching apps takes a second longer than you expect. Uh, perhaps uh, bringing up your keyboard, uh, there's a little bit of lag. So it, it does seem a, a tad underpowered and we kind of noted that in our review, um, just as far as trying to measure expectations and just to potentially also look out for what Techno might be having on the horizon. And we were right in that, in that prediction because the Camon 7 kind of uh, addresses all of those issues that the, uh, the 7 Pro had, the Spark 7 Pro. Um, so just as far as what it's delivering, uh, it, it, it has uh, 6 gigabytes of RAM, which kind of alleviates those issues with regards to sluggishness. Um, but yeah, it, it is very similar to the uh, Spark 7 Pro. So, um, 6.8 inch Full HD Plus display, uh, 60 megapixel selfie camera up front. On the rear, there's a 64 megapixel primary lens, and then there are I get three other lenses, lenses that are lower megapixel that are designed to kind of um, support the primary lens as far as when you're shooting. Uh, a very large 5,000 milliamp battery on there. Uh, it also supports 18 watt, uh, what it calls flash charging, which is just essentially fast charging. We've spoken about that already. Uh, and it's got 180, 128 gigabytes worth of storage. So again, for a affordably priced mid-range phone, it 
ticks all the boxes, but I wanted to just perhaps touch a bit, a bit more about the Tickno Mobile brand. Um, like we said, it's relatively a relative newcomer, but it seems to be vying for that space um, in the market where perhaps Samsung or uh, other Android brands are necessarily touching on. So another brand I think we could probably mention in the same space is Poco, which is falls under the Xiaomi umbrella. It's, it's a sub-brand of theirs. Uh, it was initially launched in kind of countries like India, uh, which is compar- comparable to South Africa, just as far as the LSM uh, perspective goes. And I'm, I'm, I'm getting into marketing terms now. I apologize for that. Um, but yeah, it's, well, for me, Techno Mobile is a really interesting brand just in terms of its affordability. It's, it's less than known, so you potentially can find uh, retailers that are willing to uh, further discount the device purely to get it into people's hands. And yeah, for me, I think the only issues I've had with it thus far is they're running uh, high OS, is their, um, their operating skin, their, their skin laid atop of Android. Um, the only real issues I have with it is that it suffers from a lot of the issues that other Android skins suffered from a few years ago. So we, there's a bit of bloatware, there's duplication of apps, some things cannot be deleted at all. Which is which is really frustrating uh, in the year 2021, but those are acceptable uh, little niggles, um, considering the price and the performance. So, I think Techno Mobile is probably one of those brands that people should be on the on the lookout for, just as far as affordability goes. If you are willing to kind of take a chance on a lesser-known brand, you don't. You don't always necessarily gravitate towards your your Samsungs or your Huawei's within the Android space. Um, I mean, the likes of LG, Sony are no longer operating in South Africa, um, so there is scope for brands like Techno Mobile to potentially fill that void. And I think if you are savvy enough, if you are, like I said, uh, willing to take a risk. Well, risk is perhaps the wrong term, but uh, just take a chance on a brand. There's lesser known that then Techno Mobile uh, is potentially one you should 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 be considering. Uh, I I'm just have to ask, um, what is the uh, uh, what's called the accessory market like? Because that is something that I'm going to mention when I do my year review for this Oppo. Is that the phone itself is good value, but then you find yourself discovering why it's value it's good value because. You can't find cases, screen protectors are hard to come by, stuff like that. So while they might give you a nice case and a screen protector in the box, you you then have problems later down the line when you can't get more of that. Yeah, it, it suffers from the same problems that a lot of those brands do. Um, so there is a, that generic uh, plastic cover in the box, charger in the box, headphones, all the things you really need. Uh, to kind of get you going. But if you're wanting to personalize and differentiate your device, there is next to no real options. And we've seen probably, uh, again, so the South African market is dominated by Samsung and Apple as far as accessories go. Uh, even someone like Nokia is still struggling to get accessories into market. Uh, the same with Huawei. It had, they have their own storefront, uh, online storefront, but they are still struggling to get accessories into the market um so yeah it's it's just one of those things you'll have to keep in mind it, it won't change anytime soon if you are happy to with the generic plastic one which is serviceable 
um, it'll get the job done. Uh, but if you wanted something extra and you're wanting local retailers to cater to that, uh, the chances of that are really slim at the moment. Yeah, I see Take A Lot had one cover the other day that looked very similar to the one you got in the box anyway, and it was like three or 400 Rand, which is ridiculous. Um, and like you said, one came in the box of the Oppo, but you know, it could break. Uh, covers and screen protectors are there to be broken instead of your phone being broken. So, yeah, there, I mean, you <laughs> there's always drawbacks, right? You just have to balance them out. And uh, I guess a big part of our job is uh, pointing that out when it happens. Yeah, look, I mean, I think we're probably in a very fortunate position that we get to either review or handle flagship phones all the time. Uh, and the rare occasion you get seeded them, so we don't have to necessarily worry about those elements because they're catered for in the market. And yeah, those are just the realities of the issues you have to deal with when you are going with a brand that is less unknown. Um, but yeah, I think if you do take a gamble, you get a pretty good phone for not a massive outlay. So a little piece of a free advice I can give these companies is just you probably already have an online store of your own selling your phones. Um, just add like phone covers and basic accessories like that. I promise it. it is going to be a small outlay on the part of the, you know, the provider of these phones or the distributors and stuff like that. But it's one of those quality of life things that really makes a difference to the, uh, the consumers. There's a reason people pay the premium for Apple products. There's a reason people pay the premium for Samsung products because they Samsung, comparatively to other Android um, uh, phones, are very expensive. But the reason people pay for them is that there's the, that external support. They can buy a cool phone cover. They can buy a screen protector when it gets damaged. They can go to a Samsung store and they can get it repaired or whatever. Um, I'm not saying make brick and mortar stores because, again, that's a massive outlier. But on your stores that you probably already have, just offer phone covers. It can't be that difficult. Uh, maybe I'm a bit ignorant to the realities of global shipping and product change, but you can't tell me supplying some plastic phone covers is going to be, you know, a Herculean task. So, yeah, that's some free advice. Uh, they probably won't take it, but uh, I'm putting it out there anyway. Perhaps there's a smart uh, importer or retailer out there that can actually start servicing these smaller companies. Well, maybe, but the problem is, like I just said, it's such a small you know, business, it's a small amount of money. Even if you're charging like 400 Rand for those uh, phone covers, like I was talking about, you're probably not going to have that many customers. So yeah, free advice, take it or leave it, companies. Uh, <laughs> I won't even bill you. Right, let's move on. Clinton, you've been playing some games, most notably yes. um, Metroid Dread recently, and yes. you've been playing Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes, yeah, so uh, I think a few weeks ago we talked about I had just gotten my copy of Metroid Dread, um, but now the full review is on the site, and I just want to talk about that. Uh, I don't think we've said today, but all the stories we mentioned will be linked to um, below or on top, depending on the layout that you're looking at. So I played a lot more of Dread. My final um, thoughts as a Metroid Dread newbie, it was fun. It was just... I, I kind of expected a bit more, right? Because... Uh, like I said, I haven't sat down and played a lot of Metroid games to completion just because, you know, there's only 24 hours in every day. Um, and I've heard so much about this legendary franchise and I've played so many games that have been inspired by the Metroidvania, you know, uh, subgenre. Um, Hollow Knight, one of the like, most mastercrafted indie games ever made in recent years. 
um, Guacamelee. There's actually two Guacamelees. Those games are just so much... And I wouldn't say they're dumb fun, but they're just, they're just pure fun. They're one of those games where you just play it and you know that the developer had no other uh, incentive, no other design choice other than making a fun game. And then you also have um, riffs on the formula, such as Dead Souls, which is a Metroidvania with roguelike elements. So my problem is that I've played those other games and I feel like those games are better than Metroid Dread. I, I kind of feel like this game is too vanilla in its own genre, in the genre it helped create. It doesn't do enough. Um, I know a lot of people joke that in the God of War games, at the beginning of the games, Kratos always dies and he loses all his power-ups. Uh, power and then you need to play and get all the power-ups. But I think that trope was created by Metroid because that happens at the start of every Metroid game. And when it happened again in Dread, I, I really rolled my eyes. I'm like, come on, guys. <laughs> Don't make me go unlock the screw attack and the morph ball and the morph ball bomb. I haven't even played all the other Metroid games, and I know those those mechanics and those ideas are worn out, and people are bored of them. And the game just went right ahead and did those exact things that we expected. So I found myself really let down. There was there was nothing new on the bone here. The the only thing it really did, quote unquote, new is. It's in the name, right? Dread. There is some... I don't want to say it's horror elements. There's just some elements of the game. There's a new en enemy called the Emmys. And they are robots that you can't kill, basically. And if you go near them, they stalk you and they one-shot kill you. So they are like an omnipresent threat that you always need to be dreading about, right? Name of the game. But not only do they take up a small part of the game... But a lot of the times, you're just incentivized to run as fast as possible past them. Um, at the beginning, you're like given a cloak um, that turns you visible, and this computer that's helping you is like, oh, they'll kill you, so be very careful. But then usually just the best way to get around them is to run as fast as possible. And then the game kind of cheeses you with um, later variants, which can stun lock you or freeze you, and then it runs up to you. And that, that doesn't feel great. It kind of feels like the designers just wanted to you know pop you in the knees and slow you down so i i gave the game a seven out of ten because despite everything i said it's just really solid it's really polished running around feels good finding new upgrades is fun even though like i said it's kind of rolled my eyes that i need to do it in the first place um shooting stuff is fun you know holding the charge beam down and then decimating a whole group of enemies with a missile is fun it's just when this game was announced, I haven't seen further like it in a while. I haven't seen that much hype for a game in a while. And when it came out, and we got our, our review code on launch day, I saw early reviews from other publications overseas that got it early. And they were also 100% on the hype train. And I was expecting more from all of that. And I don't want to blame the hype train. I don't want to blame Metroid fans saying this is the best game ever and then I expected it to be the best game ever. I was more hyped from it just being a big budget Nintendo game from one of their most beloved franchises. So, you know, I gave it this in out of 10 to spoil the end of my review. It was, it was good, but I think in a few months I'm going to forget about it. And I think even the people who are completely hyped and who have played it and have played it multiple times now are also going to forget about it in a few months. And maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe there'll be a big DLC 
or an expansion and then it's in the you know the zeitgeist again and everyone's talking about metroid dread again and i'll look like a fool maybe in 10 years people say this is a classic so i don't think that will happen i, I just they didn't do enough um maybe there's going to be a game in two years or three years and then that's going to build on everything and this was just like a kickstart to the franchise but i'm impressed with it i'm just not overly impressed um i don't know if i mentioned it when we first talked about it, you guys fans of Metroid at all? Never really played it, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> New reference. Yeah, I'm going to have to say the name now, my brother. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's Metroid Dread. You can check out the review. And something that actually just happened today or yesterday or a few hours ago, depending on, you know, time and space, um, they actually put out a demo for it that is completely free. So you can try it out. Which you probably want to do before you buy if you're new to the series, because this game is um I couldn't find the price on the, the e-store. There was something weird because I already owned the game, it wasn't showing it to me. But I, I think I remember it being close to a thousand two hundred Rand, which oh, that's a lot of money <laughs> on a system that already costs almost twice the um the US price when converted. So if you are someone like me who has heard of Metroid before or and really has jumped on the hype train a little. Play the demo first. Just just try it out first before you uh you spend the money. Um, so that's Metroid Dread. This is another instance of a game that we just got on release day, and our review is going to come later. But it's Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, and uh, Brendan, you and I were talking uh, last week or earlier this week about <laughs> Marvel's Avengers. Man, I hate these names. They're so confusing. Um, well, they're not confusing. They're just generic, so it's hard to talk about them. But at the end of last year, there was Marvel's Avengers, and it was not a good game. Um, I reviewed it's still it. Not. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> I just, I just want to, I just want to jump in here to, to kind of just set the scene. So, um, we recently received an Xbox from Microsoft South Africa um, for the purpose of reviewing games and all that sort of stuff. And because we have Game Pass, or I have Game Pass, I downloaded the Avengers game because it recently. Yeah, it was added to Game Pass uh, last month. Yeah, so I decided I was going to play that, and uh, the first. First few missions were okay. Uh, then you play. Uh, 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 there's a section where you need to escape the city as Kamala, um, and you need to do some timed jumps in order to get through Over the somewhere. rooftops. Yeah, 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 through the rooftops. Um, <laughs> and no matter what I did, I always failed the third one, despite hitting the button on time. It it just would not register that I had hit the button. So. That already set a bad tone for me. And then I spent like 30 minutes in one mission trying to find where I needed to go. And it was just, it was just, I was fighting the game through that entire, through my entire like two hour play session. And it just made me not want to play it anymore. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. The game, like I said in my review, my launch review, it is fundamentally broken. It seems, you know, we don't, we won't know until there's a big expose in a few years, I suppose. But it seems like, one half of the team or some part of the creative team really wanted to make a certain kind of game and then some big wig stepped in and tried to turn like absolute Frankenstein it into a live service game which they could milk for more money. So I wanted to bring all of that up because Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy feels like the game Avengers should have been. It's a fun superhero romp that has a team of characters that you care about and it doesn't try to make you take out your credit card at every turn. So I've only played, if I can just open Steam quick, I've only had it for two days at the time of writing, and I've already played 
I'm on Steam four and a half hours. So I'm really not the kind of person that sits down and plays for like six hours. I know there's a lot of people who do that and they're insane. Um, but I just want to say that after I played one hour or so last night and the night before, I thought, oh, let me just play a bit more. It's really one of those games. Um, the narrative is so good. I'm really a picky person when it comes to writing in games. Uh, for some reason, games kind of get a pass for having just god-awful writing. But the writing in this is really good. I'm I'm having so much fun just with the characters. Usually, I'm like, when I hear this writing and it's so bad and it's a melodrama, I'm like, let me just go shoot stuff again, right? But this time, I'm really having fun when all I'm doing is listening to dialogue and making decisions. Um, making decisions is a big part of this game. I don't want to say it's like Mass Effect where you have a dialogue wheel and you can choose and stuff like that. It's usually... Uh, a binary decision it's one or the other in certain circumstances you can actually have three options and then sometimes there's an option to just say nothing and let a, a situation play out on its own but it's very clear that this is a game that you will need to play multiple times to see everything or you can just watch it on youtube i think but i'm not at the end so I don't know if it's going to be, again, a Mass Effect situation where all my choices boil down to the color of the end credits. I don't think that's what's going to happen because some decisions I've made already, I can see that uh, if I made another decision, the story would be completely different. And I don't want to spoil it, but for example, I can choose to take a certain character on my ship with us, or I can choose to leave them behind. And Obviously, if I chose to leave them behind, they wouldn't be there. And then later on in the story, that person is on my ship and that changes the story. So now I'm really excited to think, you know, what, what would have happened if I didn't bring that person? Would this be better or worse? So now I would have to, you know, speak to my friend or look up a guide on YouTube or just finish the game myself and then hit new game. So I'm having a lot of fun with that. My only, I don't want to say my small criticism, but my big criticism right now is that the combat kind of feels like an afterthought. So for those who don't know, this isn't uh, one of those team games where you swap between various team members and you can play as all of them. And you can't have a co-op where you know people play as Groot and then you play as Rocket Raccoon or something like that. So you are playing as Peter Quill. You are role-playing as Star-Lord. And you need to be the leader of the Guardians of the Galaxy, which all of that is great, but... <laughs> In combat, Peter sucks. <laughs> and this isn't a case of, oh, I'm early in the game and it's going to get better as I go on. It's not that. It's just that you probably do less than 10% of the damage that your team does. So the way it works is when you're in a, in a combat situation, your main attacks are your blasters, and you need to pump like three magazines even into the most basic of enemies to kill them. But your teammates, who you can activate on cooldowns, they can kill enemies in one shot. And it feels so depowering to be in a situation where you're supposed to be the leader of the team and you can't do jack. Uh, I mean, one of the um, enemies that was shown off in trailers is uh, a slime, right? Like a D&D dissolving slime. That's a very mm. popular enemy in fiction. And Peter Quill takes again like three magazines of his um blasters to kill one and all of your team members can kill them in one shot now later on you can unlock a weapon that does more damage to them and everything but it feels like 
it isn't a game about being good at combat. It feels like you're playing an MMO where you need to um, manage cooldowns of abilities more than anything else. And I just, I don't like that as much, right? I would have preferred a third-person action game where what I'm doing makes a big difference and my team members swoop in to help me at the last minute and we're all working as a team. Right now, the aspect of the Guardians of the Galaxy being a big family where everyone contributes and we're all, you know, talented warriors and stuff like that, it feels more like uh, you're sitting on a big throne and the other Guardians of the Galaxy are doing all the work. So, yeah, I'm having, I think, more fun with the narrative side of things than the gameplay. I'm hoping that changes as I get um, further in, but something that the developers did that's really smart is that it's broken up into chunks. So you'll usually go for an hour or so just exploring and going through a wilderness and fighting small monsters and um, mini bosses and stuff like that. And then you'll have like 30 minutes of dialogue or smaller combat. And then you'll think, oh, I'm, I really would like to do some combat now. And then there's combat. And then without spoiling anything, you do get to play some flashbacks. So it's got these three distinct sections of the game where whenever one is starting to feel too trite and too, uh, you know, wrung out, it swaps to another one, which I really like. Yeah, so that's Guardians of the Galaxy. It's really fun so far. I'm having like such a good time. And I actually just want to, you know, I want the workday to end so I can go play more of it. Even though I do have some less than stellar things to say about the combat, I'm just hoping that those things will improve as the game, you know, I put in more hours and I unlock more combat opportunities and abilities and stuff like that. And we'll have a full review on that probably next week. Um, I don't think this is a very long game. I think it's around like 10 hours or so. But I haven't looked that up because I I try to play games blind. So I'll have a review on the game probably next week. And at the absolute latest, very early the week after. But I want to put my time into this and see how things are done and how much this uh, kind of puts Avengers to shame. Awesome. So I think that's going to wrap it up from us for this week. Uh, hopefully load shedding subsides shortly and we don't have to deal with it for the weekend. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for tuning in once again from myself, Brendan Lost, Cheerio from Clitomatos. Hi, everybody. And from Robin Lee Chetty. Take care and go vote, please. Yes, please vote on Monday. Uh, yeah, that's going to wrap up from us. Cheerio, everybody. Bye, everyone. Cheers. Sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time.